Je m'appelle Sandrine. Et me llamo Krista. Welcome to Step Into Monday. Welcome to our new listeners and welcome back to all of you who have been listening to us. We're very excited to um, not see you again, but that you're hearing us again. <laughs> That was weird, um, but yeah, we don't see you, but anyway. All right, so welcome to episode 10 of Step Into Monday. Last week, we discussed strategies to help our students read better in the target language so that they don't feel like they have to go to Google Translate to get a warped description of what's happening. So this week, let's talk about how do we assess their reading. I woke up, I don't know about you, but I, I guess I slept well because I woke up before my alarm went off. I had about 10 minutes and I just laid in my bed and I was just thinking about my day, projecting it for the, because that's kind of what I do. And I was thinking, oh, we're recording today. So let me think about it. And I had a of stuff that came to my head of course I didn't have a paper and I didn't want to get out of bed to do it so we'll see the late notes that I took if it helps but I don't know if you've been thinking about it if you have anything that you're like ooh, 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 let me jump on it because I know exactly <laughs> no not really you know assessment of reading um, I took a class back in graduate school on second language acquisition reading you know, it was years ago, and of course, we know so much more now than we did back then. I don't want <clears throat> to say how long ago that was, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always been interesting to me because when we assess reading, we most of the time, it's comprehension questions, true, false, yes, no kind of things, multiple guess related to points, right? It's like, well, how many, this is a big question, so it should be worth this many points or that many points. And it's always about quantitative, this is right or wrong kind of thing. And I think and we're trying- It's on the details too. So it's like the color of the dress that she wore was red, true or false. And like, what does it matter? Right, right, exactly. And so I think, you know, we are trying to move away from that some, but I don't think we're quite there yet. And I, and I agree because I know um, there's one book company when I was doing the high school where I had my, my textbook from them and I thought they did a good job with their textbooks as far as being very aware of proficiency and um, the long-term goal of possibly AP testing for the students. So they, they did a really good job with their textbook and they came out with readers. Some of them are stories that existed and they just brought them down to the students' levels. You know, so the Hunchback of Notre Dame in the French and uh, they might even have a Don Quixote version in the Spanish. You know, they have all of the languages. 
And at the end of the chapters, they had some activities and such. And I was like, oh, that's exciting because you've done such a good job with the textbooks. Let's see what you've got going. And then their questions, their fill in the blank, multiple choice, put in order. And to a point, it's good, but does it fully assess the student, right? Right. They take a wild stab at it. And, and then there's going to be a natural progression. We kept talking about um, background knowledge. Well, in those things, they activate their background knowledge too. Mm -hmm. So multiple choice, they know with the multiple choice, you look at it and you eliminate the answers that seem the most wrong. And then you can probably come to something mm -hmm. um, that gets there. And the put in order, the, like I do like a list of events and put them in order. Yeah. But I do think to fully test their knowledge, you need to have some that didn't happen in there. Mm -hmm. Not okay. as a trick, but as a, okay, because otherwise it's just, okay, there is a normal progression of this. Mm -hmm. So by giving them a few extra ones and you tell them up front, not all of them have happened in the story. You will, or you will recognize that not all of them ha have happened in the story. And then you ask them to put them in order, but you take the big events. You don't take the little one that had nothing to do with, he fixed himself a sandwich. Did it really matter in the story? Like, right, right, right. Unless he choked on his sandwich and that's why he had to go to the hospital, then maybe we would want to focus on it, but otherwise not. Yeah, but I think that's also, it's also important to say at the outset that with novice learners, you're assessing them in English. Yes. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about that last week, but mm -hmm. it's worth repeating because so many people are hung up on target language, target language. And I totally get that. I mean, I, I strive for 90% target language in the classroom, but when you are assessing comprehension, you've got to do it in their native language, which for us here in the U.S. would more, li more, li more than likely be English, um, in, at least in the schools, right? That's really important because you, the students can always understand more than they can say. And I, I'll, and I explain that to my, my, my students because I think some of them are shocked when they realize this is in English. What, what? And I tell them, you know, it's just like a toddler, you know, they can understand you say, please go put that in the trash and they can toddle over and put whatever it is in the trash because they understood. But when they come back, you know, they're just going to go trash because that's all they're capable of saying at the time. They can't give you a whole sentence, but they understood exactly what you wanted. And our students are the same way. So we have to um, use English or or the, the native language to do the assessment. Um, you know, then when you start to get into the intermediate levels, yeah, you still, you can start using more of the target language um, because they have more language skills and they're more able to produce what they're saying. Because at the novice level, if you ask them a question, all they have to do is say, okay, so that was Te Yamas and over here, oh, here, 
here's Seyama, and they're just matching up words, and they might not even know what that means, but hey, they're similar, so that must be the answer. Right. And you don't know if they really knew what that meant. Right, and like we talked last week, um, they're going to lift, and then they don't know where to stop. So that's exactly. where you end up with, you might look for this part of the sentence, because that's what the answer is, but then you get the whole sentence, because they don't know where to stop they they know okay i'm matching this and here we go so that shows yeah that their understanding is not fully there mm -hmm. so definitely definitely so i think I, hold on i'm gonna move to my closet okay let's see, let's see your closet it's so exciting no right look how big it is though <laughs> oh, shut up man just shut up okay <laughs> So back to um, IPAs. Yeah, let's get back to IPAs. So I do think um, the, the first activity that we have to evaluate, and that can be used just as a formative or a summative, is the IPAs. Because mm -hmm. you're giving them a text, and then they're showing you what they're able to understand out of that. Right. Right. So... And I've used it as a summative in class when I did, especially with the high school. I've done it some with my college classes, not quite as much. I always feel like when I do those in class that I'm not doing anything because they're doing the work. Right, right. I don't know. Have you used them that, that way in your classroom? Yes. And it, you just kind of like, hmm, well, I, I, I'm not doing anything. They're, they're all, yeah, <laughs> kind of weird. It is weird, right? Because we're always on. We're always like, oh, let me see that. Let me see that. So I'll usually kind of circulate through them and mm -hmm. talk with the various groups and whatnot. But yeah, it always feels weird. And I don't know why. It really does. But you know, that, the thing about evaluating reading, that's kind of why I like the um, IPA format, you know, the integrated mm -hmm. performance assessment is um, because it does focus, there's a whole section on supporting details. And like you were saying, I mean, some of them are, you know, put these in order or pick which ones the article discusses. And it does include some that it doesn't discuss, yeah. right? So, so it does have a section on the supporting details, but it also has, I love just the question of write in English, in your own words, what is the main idea? of this article or this text or this whatever. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and it helps um, with the learning in context. That's where I like to use it and where I've pulled it back. And I, I'll admit, I swiped that from uh, Madame Shepard's website mm -hmm. where she has one, it's on the family. And it links back to a little book that you print that describes somebody's family and it's talking about it and all of that. And so you give that to them and they've never seen it. And then they're going through it and figuring out, oh, maman is mother and papa is father. And just kind of those little details which introduce them to the vocabulary. And I do like that because then they're seeing it in context and there is a whole story around it, no matter how simple it is. And it's not just giving them a laundry list of laundry with the pictures where they're seeing it. Then you can take from that and put it further because you could ask them, read this 
And as a follow-up on that one, you could ask them, hey, make a family tree. And that will show their full understanding of it. Who is who into that right. family? What are the relationships? So that's a good way to, that, to do that. I, I do like that one because it has a lot. And then um, when you're doing it as a summative, I know that's something we were talking about earlier. With the summative, what I've liked, what I've seen people do, and I've pulled some from various places to inspire myself into what they have, and then I change my own questions or adapt, is not necessarily a rubric, but it's more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? A scale, I guess that's what it would be. So it's looking at it. So, you know, you have your first part, which is the vocab in context, and they're finding it. And you're telling them, what is the French word for mother? What's the French word for father? You know, all of those. And you might have 10 or 15. And it's going to depend at the length of your document, too, how many you have, right? So on those, then the scale would be, so if you had 10, it's like you had between eight and 10 that were correct that gives you a five points or whatnot mm -hmm. um you have five correct that's half of it so that gives you two points and you just have that sliding scale into the wide range so then it's not because it's always upsetting to me where they do so well and they have the 10 and then they miss one and you're like oh no you missed the one not a perfect score Right, right. Well, and, you know, that's one of the things, honestly, I have not done um, with the reading, with the interpretive assignments. We have not used rubrics. Um, I mean, because our system is still so quantitative. Yeah. You know, you have to have your grades out of 100 or, or whatever. And you have to, okay, 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to 89 is a B. I mean, we're still very stuck in the numbers. And so, I mean, what, you know, rubrics, they use rubrics, you know, exceeds expectations, meets expectations, does not meet expectations. So, for example, with the IPA, keyword recognition, okay? So, identifies all keywords appropriately within the context. Well, that's going to be exceeds expectations. So, but you have to put that into points, whereas, you know, meets expectations, identifies the majority of keywords. Well, what does that mean? You know what I'm saying? Majority. So you're like, well, is it seven? Is it eight? Is it five? Uh, right. What is it? And then again, how many points do you allot to, um, to that? And I've even seen some rubrics where within the meets expectations that it's strong comprehension and minimal comprehension but you have to go in and define that so what is strong versus minimal you right. know is minimal half the words is strong seven words eight words it it's really really tough i think i agree i completely agree that's why i like that model which I know it's subjective because you're picking, oh, out of 10, you're understanding, you know, eight to 10, but that's 80% mm -hmm. or better, which is good because they are able to understand that much. 
Right. So that's the part I do like because then, yeah, it, it, it remains subjective, but you're, you're putting an actual line and you're like, okay, you add this line, then way you have it this way. And the way that I've used it is so for each section, I would have it. And so it would get it to a five point scale. And then I would add all of them together. And based on that, I, I mean, that's where I had to do math. And it's like, oh, let's see if I can figure that one correctly. But I looked at it. And to me, it was if you understood if out of this, you get 90% of the points that you could have, then that's going to be an A. If you are at 80% of what you could have, then it's or within the 80% range, right? So from 80 to 89, that's going to be a B. And so I'm do, I did, so I would have the little ruling and I would have the math on it that gave it to me. So then I could look and go, okay. And I did my little, you know, out of, if it came up to be, because I had five different sections. And so that would have come up at us 25. I had my little, uh, ruling right there and then I would add their points and I'd be like okay you have so many points let me look at this okay that's an A do this have that that's a B and that made it very quick because then I just had to check okay you have it you're right we're good and then knowing I just had to count okay you have this many that are correct that gives you this many points Mm -hmm. And I think it was cleaner than going, oh, you have this right, so you have one point, but you get this wrong, so you get zero points. Right. And it allowed for room for mistakes, mm -hmm. which sometimes we do in our own language. Oh, absolutely. And I think, too, that's something that, you know, you have to remember when you're designing your rubrics, Right. So meets expectations, if they're novice high, it's like, what can you expect from a novice high learner? Are they going to understand everything? Are they going to identify all the words? Not really, no, probably not. You know, and that's what I always tell all my, my students. I tell them, you're not going to understand everything, right? That's what we tell them. Don't expect to understand every single word. But then we test them in a way that expects them to understand every single word. We can't yes. do that. You have to give them that room for error that they might have had. Right. So I do like that. I wish I could use IPAs more in my grading. Um, uh, higher education is hard because it's difficult to change. Mm -hmm. the way things need to be. Um, I am using it in my online class. I am using IPAs in there. And then I go through and I manually update their grade. But in my face-to-face, -face, I unfortunately cannot go there. So I just use them here and there in the classroom so that they're used to it. And then a good thing too, it makes them think for themselves. Right which is good because multiple choice gives no, no thinking or very little thinking. Mm -hmm. So that has them put it in contest that has them thinking a little bit more. I like that. Um, and one thing that um, we didn't mention, but I think is important to remind everybody is that the reading we're talking about, we're giving our student has to be on their proficiency level. Mm-hmm. 
So if they're novice, yes, we're saying reading, but it could be an infographic. It could be a very simple short story, very short, one yeah. paragraph, two paragraphs. That's what it could be. Proficiency level or an I plus one. Sometimes I do, and I tell my student that often. I said, I come back down. I, I, I have a seesaw kind of approach where I'll push them on something and I can tell they're getting so uncomfortable, but before they get discouraged, I bring it back down to their level and then bring it back up to push them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And I had one student recently who commented and said, I feel I progressed so much this semester because you push us, mm -hmm. but the reading cannot be that it is so high Right, that right. they cannot comprehend it. Like we were talking last week, the Victor Hugo reading for a French one class that I had been doing French for what, less than a month? Mm -hmm. And they wanted them to find the cognates. That was ridiculous. Right. And it totally, it totally missed the point of the lesson, which was a lot of times you can use cognates to figure out, you know, the headlines of a, a newspaper article or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, something else that I think helps the students, and I am going to try to, I have not done this enough. I want to try and incorporate more of it is student self-assessment. So when you give them a reading, you know, you can give them a rubric and ask them, okay, can I understand what I just read? <laughs> you know, do I, do I just get the main idea, which is good if you're novice, um, or can I understand some details, all of the details, you know, um, can I figure out um, the main idea? Um, what strategies am I using? What strategies do I need to use that maybe I'm not to kind of help them along that way? And I think that's something that I have not done enough of is student self-assessment because it's important for them to be aware of their own learning. It's funny that you said that about the self-reflection because I, you know, I've been doing those what I call proficiency activities with my students. Really implemented it this year and had them go full at it. And in the past, I've tried it, but hasn't had I don't know, they didn't push it quite as much, but this semester, this year, I said, you know what, we're gonna push it. So I did, and my students said that was one of their favorite things to do because it's where, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm smart, but I guess not that smart. And I saw that somewhere years and years ago. It's been at least 10 years. It was a Spanish teacher, and I wish I could say, give her credit for it because I had found it, I had saved it, and then I was never able to find it again. So I'm glad I had that original document, but somehow it disappeared. But she did that, giving, giving them a choice of activities they could do at home, not in class, but at home on their own, with a list of things. And I took from that and then added. And yesterday I changed it to make it into a choice board, so it might look a little bit more appealing than a long laundry list but i tell them go to amazon.fr or the canadian one but make sure it's in french and browse through the books and find two that you would like to read because you're reading through the summary right go to and some of it are listening some of them are reading but go to wikipedia in french and read about somebody who interests you 
follow a celebrity on Twitter and read their tweets, try to tweet back to them, those kind of things. And then so that they can tell me I have a self-reflection page where they tell me what they did, how long, and I was tweaking the questions on it because I had, tell me what you understood in your own words. Mm -hmm. And I have, where I want them to look for the cultural similarities and differences. So I have something about it. Did you notice any cultural differences or similarities? Which is funny because they'll watch a French movie and they go, I didn't notice any. And I'm like, seriously? Like, you must not have been paying attention to the background of things because there were a million of them in five seconds. Uh, and then the last question I asked them, and I've changed that, and I think I'm going to add the one you just said about the strategies to better understand, but I was asking them, did it make you feel better or worse about your friend, your level? And I've changed it to, um, what did I change it to? To, what did you find easy and what did you find difficult and why? Because mm -hmm. in the part of did it make you feel better or worse, a lot of times they would go, well, it made me feel worse because I thought I would understand more. And then it took me having to, with feedback going, but look at this, you are three months into studying French and you'd never had it before and you were able to read about this or you were able to understand that so I've, but I think I'm, ch I'm changing it and I remove that but in a f I never thought about it as self-reflection but it is self-reflection mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny that you said that so yes it's important to have and by having them do it it helps them understand a lot more right and I think it's where that, and that's what I miss from having a high school class where I had my own classroom and I saw them every day was I would have it. We didn't do it every day, but we did it at least once, maybe twice a week where I had them do the reading time mm -hmm. where they would go and go through. And I think that would have been a good, a good question to add self-reflection question behind it. Not necessarily give me a detail, give me some word, but what was easy, what was difficult, what other, stra what strategies can you apply? Right. Yeah. To that. Cause they have to stay mindful of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's good. The other thing that I was thinking about, and you and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday when um, you want them to, you have them do a reading and you're trying to assess their understanding Obviously, and we talked about it, you get the multiple choice questions, you've got, you know, all of those put in order, whatnot, that gives you the daily to, to it. But there is also, you could ask them, draw me one picture of something important that happened in the story. Mm -hmm. The main, or draw me one picture of the main event of the story. Or if you're doing, like when we were doing the immersion camp, I did a poem one time and they read it. Obviously they're not novice anymore. They're intermediate, although some of them are borderline. And we read it and I brought whiteboards and I told them, I said, draw me a picture of the mental image you have after reading that poem that it's living with you. And it was interesting to see because then you can tell where the understanding was because it was fairly difficult it had to do with 
war and I can't remember why. <laughs> That's not typically what we would pick, but it had to do with that. And um, it had something about a tree. It's even been four or five years now, so mm -hmm. I kind of forgot. But they all drew something about that tree. Because, and so what it told me is that they understood that part, but the right. rest that was talking about war, they didn't. Yeah, probably so. So that's a good way to check on their understanding. Draw me one picture mm -hmm. of something important. Draw mm -hmm. me one picture that represents this story. Right. And based on that, you know okay, they understood this, but they completely missed that. Right. Well, you know, sitting here thinking about the grading aspect of it, and one of the drawbacks, as you and I both know, is that IPAs take a long time to grade. Because, because you've got the interpersonal conversations, you've got the presentational, either spoken you know, presentation or writing or whatever. And so, and I, and I will admit this too, one, I think one of the reasons I haven't used the rubric for the reading is because I put it in my learning management system and it's auto graded except for a few questions. I'd have to go in, okay, did they get the main idea? What was, and read their cultural perspectives, you know, right. <laughs> the rest of it, it could just kind of be auto graded there um, in terms of points. And I think you know, because sometimes you have to do what you have to do to survive. And, and I think the IPA, I mean, I love them. I think they're great. Um, but yeah, they are time consuming and you can't do them all the time. We have two in a semester. We do a midterm and we do a final. But even so, I put the reading portion in Canvas and the majority of it is computer graded which is, I mean, I know you've got the whole feedback loop. And so we are m missing part of that mm -hmm. um, feedback loop. And I get that. But at this particular point, you know, we're still figuring out strategies so that we don't spend, I mean, I have, you know, when you have a hundred students that you're not spending a hundred hours. <laughs> no, absolutely. Rating, rating that. So, um, I mean, it, it's, it's tough. And some people think that, it's all or nothing. You know what I mean? You've either got to do it all the right way or you might as well not even. I don't think that's the case either. You have to take this and modify it to make it work with your approach and your life, basically. I mean, as, you, as we've talked about before, when you have a family, when you have children, you can't spend 10 hours grading something, you need to spend time with your, your own children, not just the ones that you're teaching. And so, you know, it, it all depends on where you are in your life as well. And so uh, you've got you've to cut yourself some slack. That's been the motto <laughs> lately. <laughs> and it's okay. When we're having merchandise, that's the first t-shirt we need to have, cut yourself some slack. <laughs> There you go. Exactly. But, you know, I did, you know, I did just mention that because, you know, you, you certainly don't want, we certainly don't want people to think that we do all of this stuff perfectly. We, no, I mean, we are still struggling 
with so much of this and we're figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes you think something is just going to work so great. And you're like, wow, that was horrible. <laughs> Including a reading that you thought was going to be super easy. And you're like, wow, that was that, that just bombed colossally or something like that. And so, yeah, you have to take all of this and make it work with you and your teaching style and your department, your colleagues, and see if you can get it to work the best that you can. I mean, teaching, I feel like a lot of times you're throwing things to the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And then you're repeating the experiment and it might have worked in one, one day and then you're doing the exact same thing. You're like, okay, I had this and it stuck, so I'm gonna keep using it and then it doesn't. Well, and sometimes, you know, it depends on the dynamic of the class as well because I remember one semester it just it was mind-boggling because I had two back-to-back -back 101 classes one at 9 and one at 10 you know so I had my plan I did the exact same things well when my student evaluations came out my 10 o'clock class was super duper high and my nine o'clock class was and it was middle of the road and I'm like but I did the same things you did but you didn't yeah because I actually had that conversation with Isabel so when I was at UA my program coordinator Isabel Drevelo and I had same thing I had same level back to back and we had that conversation she said but the difference from one to two is like from child one to child two you know right. one you're trying to figure it out so you might think you're doing the same stuff and the activity, the basis is the same, but depending on the reaction from class one, you're adjusting just ever so slightly for class yeah. two. And so first one is the trial, first two is already perfected a little bit. Well, yes, and I do agree with that, but some of it is the student dynamic as well. Some of it is too. Um, and I've had the case where the first class was better than the second class. Exactly. and so. The only reason I say that is because there were so many absences in the nine o'clock class. The students didn't bother to show up, yeah. you know, and I had these two girls who really pushed the limit because the syllabus said more than 10 minutes late would count as an absence. They showed up at nine minutes into the class every day that's why at one point in my syllabus i had three tardies equal one absence i know but you know i hate it I, and i thought about that but i just thought you know they're supposed to be in college <laughs> no i know but i had that and i had one student who was repeatedly late just like you're talking about so one day i emailed him and i said you need to come and talk to me so he and I sat down and I said, have you read through the syllabus? Are you aware that three absents is one tardy? Because we have four classes a week and you are late at every single one. And that means if I total all this up, you have so many absences, not counting the days when you actually didn't show up. So what gives? Is there any particular reason that you are late? And so he told me, he said, well, I can't park, whatever. I can't remember. There was something with parking because UA parking is ridiculous. Well, UAB is just about as ridiculous. Um, and so 
he was parking at the hospital at DCH and then walking to the class. And I said, well, have you thought about leaving earlier to give yourself time? And he was like, I have, but I can't remember. There was something. I can't remember what it was. And eventually, as we talked, and I said, well, you know, you can park in this parking lot and you can do this or you can do that. And at that point, he looked at me like I was an absolute genius. And he was never late again. Hmm, interesting. And the funny thing with that student is that, was it a year later at band camp, my kids are there and I'm going there to hang out and to do some work and whatnot, as involved as I was. And here I see him walk in the door and he looked at me and I said, what are you doing here? And he was helping because he was a music major. Ah. Uh. And would tell the kids that I was his absolute favorite professor. And I mean, he told all of them that I was a superstar because this. And he said, he told me, he said, you took the time to talk to me and set me back on the straight path. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, that's, that's, see, that's interesting because I've seen so much now um with all of the remote teaching and everything on twitter they're like what's the most important thing you've learned that relationships with students and taking the time with students to talk about something other than language learning yes um is really what the most important aspect is and 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 it it's it's definitely it's definitely um that way i just wanted to make sure that i pointed out that yeah we're we're, we, we don't do, we're, we try our best to do what we say we do, but I mean, sometimes life gets in the way and you're just, you're treading water going, oh, this is going to end eventually, right? That's my fall semester. And I told my students, I was upfront to them from the get-go semester started. And I said, look, guys, typically I'm very prepared. This semester, I'm not. I had a death in the family. I had to go back to France. I was gone for two weeks. I came back, I had orientation because I'm brand new here. So I don't know the college any better than you do. Some of you actually know it way better than I do because you've had a year under your belt and I don't. And I said, so we're going to figure it out together. I do know how to teach, but I'm sorry. You're not going to have everything up front like you might otherwise get. And throughout the semester, we had that conversation when something happened, they would ask me and I said, I am so, so sorry, I dropped the ball on this end because, and so they saw the human factor, but they were right there with me because what we were doing, that was productive. But they knew some days I wasn't feeling it, some days they weren't feeling it. And I walked out of those classes going, well, I could have done a way better job. Right. And I hate that I didn't but they got the best that I could give them. At that particular time, exactly. At that and particular I think, time. well, but I, and I think students relate to that. Sometimes I think they need to see that, you know, we, we are humans with lives as well. Yes. That we're not just this huh, bitmoji, if you will, in the classroom and we stay there 24 seven. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And then seeing them by, by being more human than, they can become more human for us too, because that's where you, you see, well, what's going on in your life? Mm -hmm. What's happening? Oh, you had a concussion. How are you doing today? Taking that moment 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've read that somewhere, and I think it might be in the book, Teaching for uh, Long-Term Memorization, where they talk about it, the greeting the students as they walk in the classroom right. and talking to them, noticing something. Because there is a fine line, you know, going, oh, I like your hair today, or oh, I like what you're wearing, because it can become borderline creepy, depending on what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Because they could feel like, you're really always talking about my hair. Like, are you so obsessed with it? But just noticing the difference. And I've had times I'm like, oh, you cut your hair. They go, yeah, two weeks ago. I'm like, sorry. (laughs) Right, right. Did you have it different? Or something, just to see that you're noticing or just having, and you don't have to do all of them every single day, Mm -hmm. but having that little moment. And college teaching is a little bit more difficult because they're in the classroom a lot of times before you are right so you're walking in there but just talking with them for a minute and I don't do it in the target language I do it in English right because they're uncomfortable with it if you're putting it then it's like oh my gosh here I'm on ready to go so we'll have that little bit to put them at ease in yeah I think it depends on the level like especially with the lower level but like at the intermediate level a lot of times I'll I'll just talk with them beforehand in Spanish but simple things how are you um how was your weekend whatever you know basic things but definitely yeah you need to establish um that relationship um and I think something else to um about getting back to reading (laughs) which was our topic uh you know in terms of assessment there's sometimes i think modeling is super important too i'm i'm working on lessons right now to teach them to be better at guessing meaning and context Mm -hmm. and to know when they need to use the dictionary to figure out a word and so you might go through this process with them. And so sometimes I'll take an article that, that I haven't read either. And I said, let's read this together. It's like, hmm, I am not sure about this word. Let's look at this and this and this. And you say, you know, it still doesn't make any sense. So then you model and you go to wordreference.com and, oh, now that makes more sense. Because, and I think it's a revelation for them sometimes because I'm not a native speaker. And they're like, you don't know every word in the Spanish language? You know, and I'm like, no, I don't know every word in the Spanish language. I've never needed to know it, you know, and I've never needed to use it. And I said, I could probably go to the English dictionary and find an English word you didn't know either. And you're a native speaker. Well, and that happens to me in French because language evolves so you have new words mm-hmm. and they see that and i'll tell them sometimes like my favorite new french word is réseautage which is basically networking yeah but the first time i saw it in an article and i kind of stopped and i was like and i told my students that and i actually did that and i said i looked at this and i said what is that And I looked and I broke it down into what I knew of the word. And I looked into the context and then said, Réseau is a network. Réseau, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, réseau is a network. And so they made it into that, réseautage. And I thought, okay, rather than go to the English, that was pretty clever. Maybe it existed and I just didn't know it. Yeah. But yeah, definitely modeling that 
and one thing I do with them when they encounter a word they don't know, if it's something tangible, because obviously like réseautage, you could not do that. But I go to google.fr and look up pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I've done that. They might not know when they encounter something and they go, oh, what is that? And I'll be like, oh, you don't know that? Well, let me show you. So I'll try to explain it first. And they still kind of look at me like, okay. And then I might try to act it out and they go, okay. Mm-hmm. And I've had times where I've drawn it, which I'm Picasso. So, you know, it doesn't look like anything. And they laugh at me greatly. Yeah. So... <laughs> And <laughs> we'll go in other times. It's like, we don't have time with it. So I'll just jump into it and I will put it. So then they have the picture mm-hmm. and they go, oh, that's what it is. So they don't have to go to the translation. Right. To help them a little bit. Right. Absolutely. With it into a reading. We do that. We do that a good bit because it's good practice. And then they see it. And that's a modeling of sort as well, because they're seeing it. Done. But I, I think another way to assess reading and obviously we have our shorter readings and we have our longer readings right so a short reading draw me one picture give me one word or a word cloud this would be a good one too of what comes to mind when you're thinking about that story because then you're seeing what jumped at them right right um you can ask them, draw me um, or write a description of one character. Draw me what that character looks like. One thing that I liked that, you know, because when we were brainstorming yesterday for things for my students was um, pick a character and create an Instagram page. I thought that was, that was great. You know, do an Instagram or Facebook or, you know, whatever page and have, you know, for your favorite character. I think that is super cool as well. Yes, because the fairy character might not be the main one. That's true. Absolutely. That works in longer readings that you probably couldn't do that with a short story. Right, right. Uh, But I like that you're adding that in your course where they're having that book that they're reading throughout the semester. Mm-hmm. And as they become more advanced, one thing that I've really enjoyed, and it came out, really, it was just, I just, I don't know. It was one of those moments I was inspired and went with it, but was what I call the social media project. Yes, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. <laughs> but that was my favorite thing. But, and it stemmed from the fact that, and it was a literature class. Mm-hmm. So it was more advanced, but it could be for AP, an AP class or pre-AP. Uh, it could even be done with a lower level as an intermediate if they're reading a longer work. So throughout a semester or throughout a year. And I got to thinking because the period I had to teach was 1600. And I thought, how are they ever going to understand that? Because culturally, it's very different. You're talking about a different country and a different time period. That's very different. But as I kept reading it, I thought, well, isn't it what Snapchat is? They're passing secret notes. That's exactly what Snapchat was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you can save the messages so you can go back to it. But 
if you don't know to do that, your messages, they're open, they're gone. Right. Those pictures, you open them, they're gone. Uh, so I thought that's kind of the idea of it. So how can we relate it back to this for them to see it? And by putting the reading and having them put it into a social media form, it helps. And it helps me see what they understood. So when we did Jean-Jacques Rousseau, which was the one where we did with Snapchat because they're exchanging secret letters, um, Eloise ou la nouvelle uh, Julie ou la nouvelle Eloise, it has a part where, first of all, they sleep together, but you have to read between the lines to see it. Mm -hmm. So I knew they had never caught on to the fact that that was going on. Right. Because with what they were putting out there, the messages they were putting out there, it never once mentioned it. So I knew that. And then she has a miscarriage. Again, you have to read between the lines. And I knew they had completely missed that, which was fairly important for the whole story. So by having do the social media, I was able to look at it and what they told me, and that was my aha moment that I had stumbled on something great is when we talked about it, they said, doing that forced me to focus on what was important. Mm -hmm. and it was easier and more enjoyable than doing a summary because most times in those kind of classes, that's what they said, we are asked to write a short summary of what's happened, but you don't know what to pick. You don't know what to go with. And that's why your summary is like five pages. Exactly. Exactly. Because they're thinking, I have to give you every little detail. You know, it's not just he went to town and then he went and did that. No, they go, well, he went to town and he went to the grocery shop and went to the bakery and they went there. And it's detailed, but they're not seeing it. Yeah. So they said it helped them to step away from the text and think of what was important. And some of those texts, if you put them in that context, it works super well. Some of them, I know when we did La Princesse de Clef, to me it was Twitter. Get on your soapbox and scream out to the world what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's not, I mean, you can have some communication with Twitter, but it's not what it's exactly there for. It's more, listen to me, watch me, let me build Look my thing. Me. Yeah. I mean, that's the way I see Twitter. And that one, to me, that's what it was. Life at the uh, surrounding the court, the royal court, that's exactly what it was. Everybody going, look at what I'm doing or look at what I'm not doing. Like, that was perfect. Yeah. But that said, I call it social media, but we don't use the social media because I know some people are going to scream and go, my gosh, I have to go and do all this. No, we use templates. Mm-hmm. They find the templates for whatever social media, and then they put it, it's in a Word document, they submit it, it's in one place. I'm not checking 20 fake Facebook accounts. Well, and you know, I was going to say that's something too, because it really depends on you and your students, because mm -hmm. I went to a session on using Twitter, and I was so excited to come back and use Twitter and all the kids were like, really? And, 
only two out of you know 25 even had Twitter accounts and they didn't want to set up Twitter accounts and I was like I'm so disappointed you know but so then what you do is yeah you give them templates and they can just write out their tweets exactly okay. because it's really just going to depend on um on the the students exactly and then they're going to get into it or not because i had some that gave me the basic tweet and they mm -hmm. gave me two or three tweets for each each week that we were meeting and that's all that's all i got but they gave me the main points right and they didn't bother finding a template they just had what they entered in there but that was done. What I had asked them to do was done. So they got the credit for it. But then I had others who fully got into it and they found the templates. They had pictures trying to represent the persons, which was hilarious when we did the Comte de Monte Cristo. One of my students found, um, put a picture of Benedict Cumberbatch as the Monte Cristo. And I looked at it. And I said to the student, I had to bring it up in class and show everybody. And I said, this is genius. He would make a perfect Monte Cristo. Mm -hmm. So they put it, not only they didn't go find who had played him, they just thought who in my mind fits the description of that character. And that's the way they put it. Exactly. And it was perfect because yes, Cumberbatch is a perfect description of Monte Cristo when he's young. Mm -hmm. And then I had some who did retweets or the thing where you can see this tweet was deleted. They would even go to that end because it was a secret and oh, it shouldn't have been there. So it had been removed. On Snapchat, I had some where they even added, did a screenshot of it. So they had all of those little details, which was great because they fully got into the story. Mm -hmm. Now, that was more their jam. They were more on the creative side, so they gave me more than the ones who gave me the basics. Right. But that's one where I didn't put a rubric on. It was for me to see where they were going with it that. Was more of the formative type assessment yes. and yes, comprehension over the long haul. Absolutely. Right. And it helped me plan my class. Mm -hmm. But it could be done with throughout the project, if they throughout the reading, if they keep up with it, it could be a formative assessment, like we were talking for your class yesterday. And then you can build a rubric on it. Mm -hmm. but you cannot put a whole lot of point on the creative aspect right because you have to go what did i ask them to do did they do it mm -hmm. then maybe they went above and beyond and that's why you have those extra points where you re you reward them for it right but if they didn't you're not taking it away from them right right because just like not every student is interested in literature, not every student is interested in art. Mm -hmm. So we cannot penalize them because that's not their interest. Or because they're not artistic. I mean, I'm like, you. Yeah, I draw stick people and they're not very good either. So <laughs> I drew something one day and Chris went, wow, how old were you when you drew that? 10? And I said, that was two days ago. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. 
So yeah, but there are lots of different and creative ways to do, you know, the summative assessments with the rubrics or the points, but yeah, then the formative assessment. And sometimes I think, um, yeah, like I was really pleased with reading one of the comprehensible input novels um, with my students this time. They got into it. They were short little chapters and um, I'm super excited. You know, we didn't get to do the culminating project because of, you know, COVID-19. And I just didn't think that I needed to add the stress of working in groups while they were working remotely. So, you know, we had to delete that aspect. So I'm looking forward to getting to see how they do that, the, the final project uh, and, and some of the ideas that we came up with. But yeah, throughout the whole novel, I think what I need to start doing is more of the self-reflection, okay, how, what did I understand from this, um, this chapter? I've got to add, you know, add some kind of self-reflective piece for them to be aware of the strategies they're using for comprehension. And I think for you, as far as to make sure to keep up with it, doing the comprehension questions, as long as you're not focusing on details, just the main points, or put it in order is a good activity as a formative, right? not as a summative one, just as a formative, because then you can pinpoint, there is this, there is that, kind of a, it's kind of a checkpoint. Exactly. Every class, every day. And then at the end, that's where you have your culminating point. One that I like to have them act it out. So they do have to work in groups at that point. They have to put it in their own words. And it can be pick one scene and act it out or give me a summary of the whole story. Mm -hmm. And that's going to depend how long your story is, obviously, how much time you have. Because you could do it with a shorter one. Mm -hmm. um, now, you can't necessarily have all the groups go because it's going to get very repetitive. Right, right. Um, but it's kind of it's a good one you have them practice through it you have them work through it and then one group maybe performs it but they don't know which one is going to be right so they have to prepare and then it's more on the preparation part of it rating them than anything else well you know and i think that's one thing too sometimes that people don't um you know teachers especially get so caught up in giving them a grade and I mean, you and I've struggled with this too, because like, geez, it seems like these kids won't do anything unless you give them a grade. Mm -hmm. And it's very frustrating. Um, but that's to me where the whole credit, no credit thing comes in a lot of times, because it's like, especially reading a chapter and then illustrating something. I mean, I'm like, okay, I think they got it and just give them credit for doing it. I don't need to sit there and analyze, oh, I think they got this wrong. And I think they got that wrong. And right you know, they, they read and they got something out of it. And I think that sometimes we caught up and I'm not saying we don't need to correct misunderstandings. That's not what I'm saying at all, but, um, did they get the overall idea? And that eases the burden of the grading too. If you will just do credit, no credit, because sometimes the process is more important. Yes. Definitely. And, and a student, boost of confidence. And the student told me on certain things. They'll be like, well, you know, 
I think that the actual process of doing it and really thinking about it, that's what helped me more than, you know, your feedback. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. But no, it, you know, it, that really struck home. And I thought, well, then why am I spending all these hours when some of them are not even looking at it on something like that, you know? And so there's nothing wrong with credit, no credit on certain things when you're more concerned about the process. Something else that I've seen, and I know we're somewhat, not completely, steaming away from assessing reading, but on the credit, no credit, uh, I've been looking more at Twitter than Facebook lately because I'm annoyed with Facebook right now. But um, I've been saying people talking about how they don't like the credit, no credit, or they want to be able to put a grade because, oh, this student worked so hard on it. Mm-hmm. And I can see that you want to reward the work that is being put into it, but some students have to work harder at things than others. My kids did music. One of them never, I mean, never put much of an effort into it, did perfectly fine. The other one had to work really, really hard to master it. Exactly. And it happened that it ended up that he did a lot better with it because he put more work into it, but he was also, he became more invested into it. Right. But it took him getting to that point. But even before he started going that much higher than her, he had to put a lot more work into that Mm -hmm. than she ever did. And on a lot of school subjects, it was the same thing. Writing came a lot easier to her spelling than it did to him. Mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that the final product should be based on the work that was put in there. Right. And just because somebody's worked for two hours doesn't mean it's quality work. I can be spending two hours doing something, but every five minutes I'm pulling out my phone and looking at answering messages or looking at Facebook or doing something. And then it took me two hours to do this project. I spent two hours doing this. Right. Was I really on it for two hours? No, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Because my well, and I think that happens so much more with our students these days because they have no idea how they're constantly just grabbing. Yeah. And how distracted they really are. Yeah, it does happen. And so that whole rhetoric of, but this student worked so hard. Well, maybe they were able to at the same time. I know. Maybe they had three hours to work and another guy had to take care of his baby sister or go get a job or, yeah. Exactly. Well, in the fall, before we went into this remote situation, I had several football players. Well, guess what? Before coming to class, they had physical training. Mm-hmm. And they would come to class and they would talk about it and how tired they were or what they did that morning. Even in the spring, they were doing it. And so we had the unit on health and fitness. And I started every unit by making them do a physical activity for like two minutes. And they were like, oh my gosh, you are killing me. We did this today and I'm so tired. And I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Well, see it as this. (laughs) But the fact is they were getting up uh, super early and they had to go work out. 
they had their classes, they had training in the afternoon, it was physical, they were tired. And yes, some of my students who ended up doing better and raising their level a bit higher, they didn't have that. So they had those hours to work on it. Mm -hmm. So sure, the end result, their proficiency level went higher than my football players, but it was not an even mm -hmm. choice that they had. They couldn't put that much work into it. And had mm -hmm. they had the choice, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but it doesn't matter, right. you know, and maybe I'm pro more productive than you are. So I'm going to get something done in five minutes because I'm super productive, but you're a little bit slower at it. So it's going to take you 10. Right. Right. Or I'm better at using the technology so I can get it done faster. So that's not a reflection on it. And that whole, oh, they worked so hard. I think it's kind of a moot point, but we're so tied to those points that it's hard to let go of it. Yes, that's true. But on the readings, especially on the readings, credit, no credit, as you're going through is perfectly acceptable and it boosts their self-esteem. It boosts their confidence. That's exactly. I mean, I gave them a survey at the end, um, you know, just asking, did you think the book was too hard? Was it too easy? Was it boring you know i wanted i wanted their feedback to know if we should continue it and most uh, most all of them said that the book was easy to understand some of them actually said it was a little bit repetitive he said of course i they said of course we understand it's you know a low level novel um but overwhelmingly they were all like wow i cannot believe i read a whole book in spanish i mean they just felt so excited and pumped that they were able to accomplish something like that because let's face it especially here in the united states how many people can say they read a book in another language very true, very true. <laughs> did any of them comment on how easier it became as they went through um i don't know that they i don't know that they really said that some of them commented that they thought the you know they didn't like the romance aspect or you know, some of them said they would have preferred to have sat down and just read the whole book at once <laughs> because, well, because they would forget what happened. You know, it, the book would refer in like chapter six to something that happened in chapter one and you read chapter one so long ago, you couldn't remember. And so I was like, well, I mean, I guess I can see that in a way, but. Because I know in mine with their proficiency activities, especially the ones who repeat one, they will say, oh, and I've had some reading books and they've said, you know, at the beginning they said, oh, it was so much harder. I felt like I really was understanding like four words out of the whole thing and guessing a whole lot, but it's becoming so much easier to do. Mm -hmm. That's one of the comments that I've seen multiple times out of my students by the repetition of it, by doing it again and by, and then they also, of course, you fix the, the, the book that they read, but mine they pick. And so that was the, the other comment I had. It was so nice to be able to go and pick what they could read about mm -hmm. because they could take what they were interested in and further their French learning. You know, that might be something that would be interesting if I could find enough of the lower level novels and, and the students could choose 
you know, maybe like have five books and say, you guys can choose one of these five. Yeah. The only issue with that, because you're going throughout the semester and you're going to have to have the formative right comprehension and all of that yeah you're gonna have multiple ones to do right no no no. i know exactly what you're saying that's absolutely true but i was just thinking you know it might be nice to give them choice but that might just have to wait until the intermediate level yeah well, you could start with maybe two different ones yeah true because we do have to be mindful of our audience right teach to the audience right mm -hmm. that's one of the first advice we get teach to your to teach to your audience and i know when i was well this semester i had a lot more men or males than i had females yeah so some of the topics that i might have had in other classes that would have gone very well with those guys it wasn't gonna fly yeah well, and you know, that's one of the things that sometimes it's tough, like with clothing, everybody's like, oh, do a fashion show. I'm like, the majority of guys I know are like fashion shows, really. How, I, you know, they couldn't care less. Well, they kind of do and they kind of don't. But what I've done with the fashion show is I've given them, because I was having them do it in person, in class. And um, we were using it for a project. So I gave them a template of a girl and a template of a guy. Yeah. So that they had both. Because otherwise, we give them one and they feel like, because we focus more heavily on the women's clothing. Right. So they know all about the women's clothing in the target language, but none of the men's clothing. Right. <laughs> and I did have at UAB, because same thing, I had more guys or it might have been a half and half it was a weird situation because typically i have a lot more females more women than i do guys and so i give gave them a reading and i said if i mean and i let them choose because if the females the women wanted to read the guys thing they could i didn't want to assume gender or whatnot and then i had some gender neutral right so i said you can pick but here is one and i gave them there was a reading for the guys and it was talking about the fashion the upcoming fashion for the young men's in the upcoming summer or when it were where it was and then the women's side was something similar but was women so it was targeted more toward one audience or the other so that made the difference so that's something you could look at finding a book that would be more targeted to the male side of things and one more to the female side of things yeah, that's, well that's definitely true because i remember um was it middle school when the middle school chose to read star girl and do you remember that i don't know but benjamin talks about having to read the fault in our stars yeah, The Fault in Our Stars, but then they also had to read Stargirl, and I'm like, Wesley, it, I mean, what middle school boy wants to read that book? I mean, yeah, hello. It was, yeah, it was, it was not good. No, yeah. definitely, but there is, we think more on one side than the other, so sometimes having that choice is not, is not a bad thing. Of course, the, the danger is, a book geared toward more masculine side is going to be all 
about sports. And I have a child who doesn't really enjoy reading about sports. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it could be science fiction. I mean, there's, yeah, there's other there's, things. Yeah. There's a lot. But, I mean... I guess that's why choice is so good because, you know, yes. Emma, Emma absolutely loves science fiction stuff. Right. So. Yeah. No, definitely. But you could start with just a couple and then add yeah. one here and one there as you're finding them. And then, I mean, it's always good to, to mix them up. So you could have one book one semester, another one on another semester. And then their tastes change. So every once in a while, we have to revise what we've got anyway. So if you have a choice, then it makes it a little bit easier if you have to pull one out. Yeah. Because then you're still left with other choices. Right. So in the front end, a little bit more work. Definitely. Which the way we're teaching now, not doing grammar translation, it is more work on the front end. Mm-hmm but then easier on the back end. Yeah. I think. Definitely. So, all right. Oh, one other way that I have, we talked about it yesterday that I really like, and it can be adapted. Have them do a song. Yes. About the reading. Mm-hmm. I like that. Where they can. Did you listen to the one I sent you, the link I sent you, the umbrella oh, song? No, I got distracted. <laughs> I'll listen to it. But um, it's, it, and it can be made very easy, like we were talking about. They can write a song about one character, and then they fall on description. Mm-hmm. And they find whatever style. It could be rap. It could be their favorite song. They can get access to the music. All they have to do is write it, and then they can kind of record it. And it doesn't matter if they're not singers. I did a, a class in college that was songwriting. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I know nothing about music. Nothing. <laughs> but I couldn't find people that could help me at the time because the professor had said oh, most of them played an instrument or could sing or something in that class. Mm-hmm. But they were working together. It was individual projects, but we could help one another. And so they were helping other people, and I couldn't find anybody to really help me. And finally, I said, you know what? I have GarageBand. It has some music into that. I can put it together and do something. I made my own music. I created my lyrics. I recorded them to it, and it worked just fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, it's something you can give that them fun if they wanted to do that I mean you could have them post it to Flipgrid or something and absolutely their classmates can hear it and mm-hmm. and different things like that yeah yeah um oh man they could do a TikTok they could do a TikTok that would be hilarious create some dance that's representative of that one thing that I've seen I've always meant to do it and I've never I've actually never done it is have the students come up with a playlist for some of the characters. Oh, that would be interesting. And you can do it with songs in the target language, in which point they have to do research right? Absolutely. to find songs that would fit into that. Or they could do songs that they know, you know, that are English songs. And that could be fun to do. And then it could be, you know, something. And then building from there, they could, possibly do a TikTok or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Give those kids some creativity 
especially on that end, they will meet it. Yeah. Yeah. They could do, they could make a TikTok of a different ending of the book or something. Yeah. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Cool. Yeah, they could. So there's a lot, lots and lots of different ways to, to evaluate reading and our mm -hmm. students' comprehension without just being stuck with those fill in the blank for the one detail that they will probably they probably missed or with the multiple uh, guess where they're just going to look back and lift off yeah exactly the multiple multiple guess where they're going to look back or lift off or they're going to eliminate the, the choices that make absolutely no sense because they know it's there they know how to work it mm -hmm. and it's not interesting to them right uh, I know I've seen recently something about crossword puzzles, you know, have them create a crossword puzzle. I'm like, that's great. But how many of them do crossword puzzle in their regular lives? Yeah. They're not the generation of our parents. My parents do cr did crossword puzzles. Oh, absolutely. But how many people in our generation, in our students' generation still do it? So if they don't get excited about it, they're not going to want to do it. Right. Right. I hear you. Um, yeah, we get lots of options. And then credit, no credit. And then with the rubrics, breaking it down, what was the project? Did they meet that? Mm -hmm. Make the expectations clear from the get-go. I want, you know, like the social media. I want it to be in a Twitter format. But if you're not a tweeter, that's okay. You can just put it right there. You can just type up your tweets. But you have to give me the tweets. Like one of my students kept giving me summaries. And I said, this is not a tweet. Go, go look up Twitter and see what it is. You have to give it. So it took her some time to understand what it was and showing her time and time again what a tweet was because she could not get behind that. I was getting a novel. It's like, no, that is not a tweet. So... At that point, that was the grade. You did not meet that expectation because I got a novel, not 140 characters. Mm -hmm. Although I know they've gone up now, but still, kind of, that's kind of the idea. It's brief. That's what I have. You were clear. I could understand you. That's an important thing. Were you comprehensible? Right. That is an important thing. And then you have a little added points for the creativity, for the accuracy to give them that little boost so that they're paying a little bit more attention to it. Yes. But it doesn't have to be broken down so hard on various things. And I like, I like those, those rubrics of the meets the expectation was below it or was above it. Mm -hmm. And based on where you fall on that, you... You know, we had a contract. Basically, that's what it is, a project. We had a contract. And based on all of this, you fulfilled 75% of your contract. Right. At that point, that's the grade you're going to get. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, that worked. All right. Well, I have no idea how long we've been chatting on this <laughs> topic. I'm sure we could keep coming up with a bunch of other ideas. Right, I'm sure. But we'll see. I hope our audio was good. 
because otherwise we'll have to redo it. Yes, I know. I know it. And we would love to hear from some of our listeners. Um, you are welcome to drop us a line at stepintomondays at gmail.com to give us any feedback, positive or negative, um, or if there's any topic that you would like to hear us talk about, just let us know. Definitely. We would love to hear from you. And then obviously you're listening to us. So you're on a platform. Hopefully you have clicked on the following button. If you are on Apple podcast, if you would drop us some stars and a rating that will help us rise in the ranks and be a little bit more visible, will help other people find us. Give us good stars, please. That's nice. Um, if you don't have Apple products, you can find us on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We are working on a website, which hopefully we can disclose very soon, that will have all of the links to all of those platforms, so you don't have to remember all of them. But for right now, you're just going to have to commit that to memory and we will have a test on it and it will not be multiple choice. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week on a different topic. Adios. Au revoir.